Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Policy Pack Software, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And also by Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, the innovator in adaptive workspace management solutions. If you enjoy the show each week, you have them to thank. And now for some news. So a little fair warning, this week was the Microsoft Ignite virtual conference. And when there's these large vendor conferences, I tend to go pretty heavy on going through their announcements. So this episode is going to be Microsoft Ignite announcement centric. So if you're not too interested in that, you might want to skip ahead to more of the general news. But if you are interested, stick with it. For Microsoft 365, there are some admin updates that are being released. There's some inventory and security update status being shown in the admin section. There's reliability and performance trends by app and channel being displayed. There's reliability advisories, diagnostic coverage, integration with service health dashboards, ability for IT admins to allow users to update their own channels, and a skip and rollback feature. They also say that there's going to be servicing profiles for general purpose devices, including exclusion dates and deadlines. Some of the new admin features released to preview include servicing profile restore pause resume by device and azure ad group performance advisories app health scores device level reliability add-in health at the app level and reliability and productivity score on the microsoft defender side of things there's a unified mobile app for ios and android that combines microsoft's tunnel virtual private network capabilities with mobile threat defense from Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, and it will be available in public preview early this month. The new app is said to help increase customer security while simplifying the end user experience for mobile workers. They say that previously, mobile users had to download two separate apps from the public app stores. That was the Microsoft Tunnel app and the Microsoft Defender for Endpoint app. Obviously with this change, there's just going to be a single app, so. That's why it's going to improve the end user experience. Microsoft's universal print is now generally available. So this is something I covered on the podcast last year. Universal print is a cloud-based print solution and it's generally available to those enterprise and education customers as part of the existing Windows and Microsoft 365 subscriptions or through a standalone purchase. Universal Print eliminates the need for print servers or installing print drivers and provides simple and secure printing in zero-trust environments. Major printer manufacturers such as Brother, Canon, Epson, HP, Konica Minolta, Lexmark, Toshiba, Ricoh, and Xerox already support Universal Print so customers with those printers can get started immediately. In some Azure news, Microsoft is adding a data center region in China. 
Personally, I found that to be pretty surprising news given the reputation for China and tech companies and even China and Microsoft's own relationship in the past. But I see it as pretty positive news. There were also some pretty significant Azure networking updates announced, including Azure load balancing options that are available from this month. These options include a guided experience to help customers choose the load balancing options that match their architectural and application requirements. It supports load balancing across IP addresses in the backend pool. So previously, network interfaces associated with virtual machines could be added only in the backend of a load balancer. This feature enables flexibility to load balance across containers in addition to VMs and VM scale sets associated with their load balancer. So that's pretty interesting. They're doing load balancing targeted to VM scale sets too. That could come in pretty handy as well for Windows Virtual Desktop, I'd assume. They also have a feature for Azure networking routing preference, which lets Azure customers choose how their traffic is routed between Azure and the internet. Azure Front Door is now available in preview. And this is a feature that I talked about previously on the podcast too. Um, It has been upgraded to provide secure cloud content network, so CDN service, with integrated intelligence security capabilities, enabling cybersecurity teams to protect and accelerate apps, APIs, websites, and content delivery. Azure Firewall Premium has been upgraded too, and it's now available in preview. Windows Server 2022 is also now available in preview. Something that I thought was really cool was the Robotic Process Automation, or RPA, from Microsoft Power Automate on Windows 10. They say it offers robotic process automation capabilities to easily automate time-consuming manual work. And it's available to Windows 10 users at no additional cost. They say you can begin creating automated workflows between apps and services to synchronize files, get notifications, collect data, and more. I'm pretty interested to check this one out because I've been spending a lot of time working with Automa and Scenario Builder, and that's really, really powerful. So far, this reads like it's going to have a somewhat limited capability, but it's interesting nonetheless. It'll be interesting to see how far they take it. Suggested times for when people are trying to create meetings is going to be introduced to the Outlook mobile app for iOS and Android. I believe that's already in the web app and the full client. There's also going to be some additional improvements or enhancements to the Outlook calendar as well for just across all platforms. Microsoft Teams is going to get a PowerPoint Live feature which is said to provide the ability to deliver richer and more inclusive experiences and lead meetings more confidently with notes, slides, meeting chat, and participants all in a single view. I guess the selling point is that it's less obstructive than the current presentation mode when you're trying to do slides. Less of a pain in the butt from a layout point of view. And kind of along that vein, there's also going to be a presenter mode, which empowers presenters to customize how their video feed and content appear for the audience. So again, that flexibility of the layout. And also there's going to be a dynamic view, which again, it's going to allow you to modify the layout within your Microsoft Teams meetings, which I think is sorely needed. And I even noticed over the last few weeks that 
when I would have a Teams meeting with my subscription, the layout was one way. And when I had a Teams meeting with someone else's, the layout was a completely different way. And everyone seemed surprised when the layout was different in that other person's meeting. So I guess they've been maybe doing some of these tweaks and tests over the last few weeks. Also coming to Teams, they're going to provide the ability for an invite-only meeting control. They're also going to give the option to have a setting to disable video. So you could disable video for your participants. And they're also adding end-to-end encryption for one-to-one Teams calls, which that's very welcome. And honestly, I didn't even know one-to-one was not encrypted before. And I know that for Zoom, the fact they didn't have end-to-end encryption in the free tier was a big issue. So I'd imagine this is also going to be pretty welcome that there's end-to-end encryption just across the board for Teams, regardless of if it's for many participants or just one-on-one. Microsoft Teams is also adding support for webinars and broadcasts, and it says that it should seamlessly scale to a 10,000-person view-only broadcast experience, which that is very impressive. They also suggest that they hope to have a 20,000-person broadcast available by the end of the year. That should be really interesting. On the WVD end of things, Azure Monitor for Windows Virtual Desktop was showcased. It includes a designated report page for your Azure alerts, a prioritized view of Windows Virtual Desktop agent errors and warnings in host diagnostics. There's consistent coloring and default health thresholds. The ability to export to Excel across all relevant reports and also accuracy and user experience improvements. So it seems a little light, I guess, compared to some other more mature monitoring and health dashboard products, but it's a start. WVD is also bringing smart card authentication support and metadata storage within the EU is now in public preview. Finally, to put a bow on the Ignite announcements, the only session I got to watch so far was on MSIX because I have a particular interest in MSIX. And within the MSIX packaging tool, they're gonna provide the ability to edit shortcuts in a coming release. There's also going to be support for passing parameters for your entry point without a need for the package support framework coming soon. Interestingly, they showed there's an ability to allow packages to write to the local HKey current user and app data locations. So slowly kind of poking those holes through the isolation, which is interesting. Um, During the session, John had also said that that was something they were going to try to avoid with MSIX, but they want to be flexible and give customers what they really need. And this is apparently something they really needed. I guess it makes sense as well for those who maybe want to be able to uh, manage some of the application settings and user settings and data using something like FSLogic's profile containers. In the past with AppV, sometimes when it made sense, I would exclude or remove um, registry going to the HKEY current user and app data because it would get recreated on launch. And I wanted to use AppSense or um, some other profile management solution for managing the roaming of those uh, settings. So kind of makes sense. They also said that soon we'll be able to have the same auto update feature that's available from the store 
when deploying MSIX on-prem, which to me, that was actually the one exciting feature of MSIX over some of the competitors out there. It seemed like with that kind of mobile app install type approach that the upgrades would become a lot easier to manage and a lot more streamlined. So that didn't come to fruition yet for on-prem, but it looks like hopefully it's going to come soon. They also said that updates will be scriptable with PowerShell, so that could be kind of cool. And also something else that is scriptable now is the package repair. Ignite looked like it opened with some focus around HoloLens and VR, and it looked pretty cool. And I was going to cover it more on this episode, but I figure that's not really playing too strongly into the enterprise space quite yet, but it will eventually. And I'm sure in future Ignite conferences, there'll be more to talk about on the VR in the enterprise space. In some other news, Auth0 has been acquired by Okta in an all-stock deal valued at $6.5 billion. The transaction is said to provide Auth0 with a fixed number of Okta shares at the price of $276.21 each. Shares of Okta had closed Wednesday at $241 per share, giving it a market capitalization of $31 billion. But shares were trading down more than 11% after hours which I guess suggests that Wall Street was not that into the news, which is kind of odd because Okta had a really bumper year last year. And as Forbes reports, they've just acquired Auth0, which is a competitor and they work in the same space. Um, that to me makes it a very interesting acquisition as they were pretty close competitors. And I mean close. In fact, Forbes' own reports states that the process of the acquisition was slowed down due to antitrust concerns. And the statement from Auth0's own CEO about the acquisition essentially talked about how both organizations match identity-wise and agree on a vision. A lot of times I'd be skeptical some of large acquisitions because I think we've all been burned before by some large vendors who acquire products and they just completely crush the products after acquiring them. It's more of removing the competition than actually bringing the product in and improving it. But to me, it seems like this is a smart move and Auth0 can only add to Okta, which I think they've already got some really solid products anyway. So I'm excited about it. In less joyful news, Microsoft has detected multiple zero-day exploits being used to attack on-premises versions of Microsoft Exchange Server. In the attacks observed, the threat actor used vulnerabilities to access on-premises Exchange Servers, which enabled access to email accounts and allowed installation of additional malware to facilitate long-term access to victim environments. Microsoft's Threat Intelligence Center attributes this campaign with high confidence to Hafnium, a group assessed to be state-sponsored and operating out of China. The vulnerabilities recently being exploited were labeled as CVE-2021-26855, 26857, 26858, and 27065, all of which have been addressed with this month's patches. Microsoft strongly urged customers to update on-premises systems immediately. 
Those using Exchange Online are not affected. And if you're curious, Bill Long has an excellent script for checking your systems against these zero-day vulnerabilities, and he shared it on GitHub. So if you assume that you're patched and you want some extra confidence, check out this script. There have also been reports of zero-day vulnerability in Google Chrome that is currently being exploited actively in the wild too, with it getting a high severity rating. ZDNet reports that Google has not revealed further details concerning how CVE-2021-21166 is being exploited or by whom. Details in general on this vulnerability are a little thin on the ground, but as it is a high severity vulnerability and is being actively exploited, you should patch as soon as possible. WindowsCentral.com reported on an alpha version of a redeveloped Microsoft Teams app, and it's being codenamed Maglev. Jesse Mikhail Jarvi on Twitter shared that the app's performance is better than the current Electron version of Teams, and notes that a version with native code would be even better, but that may never come to fruition. In his hashtag, he used EdgeWebView2, indicating that this is a Chromium app. There's a pretty lively discussion about it on my own Twitter timeline with uh, Jan Titget and Remco Vinen speculating on what the architecture of the app could be. Because, I mean, some Chromium apps, they're not really that much better than Electron because Chromium can be quite a pig when it comes to memory. But it's possible that they're leveraging something called WASM, W-A-S-M, which... I only found out about yesterday. Thanks, Yan. You can check out the Twitter thread. I'll include a link to it if you want to get in on the discussion. ZDNet reports Zoom is stepping up its game against Microsoft Teams and will offer users, even with their free accounts, the ability to use its closed captioning service. They call the closed captioning service Live Transcription, and it will be available to all of its users in autumn 2021. Currently, the feature is only available to users on pro, business, education, and enterprise accounts. And I warned you last week that I was going to mention again this week, but if you could, please take the time to fill in the VDI Like a Pro State of the Union survey for 2021. I find the results of these surveys really interesting, and I've actually used some of the metrics or some of the results in my presentations over the years. The more people who fill in the survey, the better the data is gonna be for all of us. And it is a really great community resource. So uh, please just spend the five minutes to fill in the survey. And I will share a link to that survey and to everything else that I've talked about on this week's episode of the podcast on fivebytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 166. And now, This week's scripts, tricks, and tips. So I'm going to keep it short this week because I feel like the news went really, really long due to the announcements from Ignite. But first up, Guy Leach. Of course it's Guy Leach. He created a really great PVS script for automating the creation of a new device in PVS. And it also does the kind of non-PVS console parts too. So you can optionally set it to 
create the new device in PVS, as well as add it to a machine catalog and into a delivery group too. There are a lot of optional parameters in there. You can point to an existing device and it will just use some of the existing devices settings like the OU it's in, like the naming structure and different aspects that are listed within the header of the script. Or you can go completely custom and set all the different options specific to your needs. It's a really great script. I've had the pleasure of testing it out and it worked great in my environment and I'm sure it will work great in your environment too. And also for that script, thanks very much to Script Runner. The script is hosted on scriptrunner.com. So they've made this available to the community and I think it's an invaluable resource. So thanks again, Script Runner and Guy Leach for that. I also noticed a pretty interesting, very short article on howtogeek.com on how to add your team's contact to your email signature. That's not something I ever thought about. I know people used to put their old Skype and AOL accounts in their email address signature so you could contact them on that. And I guess it makes sense since people outside of your organization can chat to you on Teams. So if that's something that interests you and you want to expose your Teams address, you can follow this article to add your Teams account and your address and a link within your email signature. So I mentioned Microsoft's RPA on this week's episode in the announcements for Ignite. I had the pleasure of creating some training videos and just overview videos of Automa while I was working with the product. I'll share a link to those videos for anyone who's interested in checking out Automa and that form of automation. And I think you should. It's really, really interesting stuff. In my example, I'm automating a workflow of logging into Citrix Storefront, launching a virtual desktop, launching the Salesforce application, logging into that, and then completing a, a workflow, then logging out of everything and closing out of the browser. And I'm still in the process of creating more videos around that script, and I'm gonna potentially tweak it and have it pull variables from like CSV files or other sources. Um, it's a really robust tool. I've enjoyed working with it immensely. I think it's really exciting and you might too. So you can check out the video to see more about that. And that's it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening.